The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on Sunday. This is Sunday. about the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. Guns up. Getty up. Welcome to Failure to Stop, the number one show where police meets society and culture. My name's Eric Tanzi, and I'm sitting with Drew Breezy, Andrew Baxter from Failure to Stop Com Center. This is the number one show where police meets society and culture. We do uh, multiple shows on the Failure to Stop network for first responders, starting off the week, Tuesday nights with Night Shift, True Crime, Andrea Uplate, every Thursday. All the other news you need other than the job, besides the job. So you don't sound like an asshole to all your civilian friends over the weekend, giving you something else to talk about other than dead babies and domestic violence. Uh, Thursdays, Com Center with Drew Breezy and Jay Bates, uh, where they are going to take your calls, talking all things dispatch, dispatcher and, and officer detective Drew Breezy. They're going to break down all sorts of dispatch uh I don't know, I guess like dispatch audios, dispatch needs, uh, call-in shows. It's, it's, it's a little bit funny, a little bit entertaining. It's brand new. Uh, first show was last night, and uh, I won't say it went off without a hitch, but it was an excellent show, and I was thoroughly entertained. And that's what's fun about a call-in show. You never know what you're going to get. I like the anxiety of what that next call could be and what the topics are. Uh, if you want to support this show, we don't ask much. A rating and review on iTunes, a rating on Spotify. Maybe you hit the follow button on YouTube. Definitely hammer the like button if you were joining in live on the YouTubes or if you're just viewing this. But if you're a listener, you can join the Wolfpack for free or you can be a paid member, which gets you into our Discord, gets you into some other social media perks and privileges that we are uh, really ramping up here in 2023. So if you would like to support this show, all you have to do are those things. Rating and review, too simple. It's very easy. It's free content. Please leave us a rating and review. Speaking of rating and reviews, uh, our producer, Elijah, do we have any ratings and reviews from this week that uh, Drew Breezy could read for us? Well, I see one right here. It's from a, a, a name that I recognize as uh, the Cincinnati firefighter, Jay Keefe, 21. He left it on uh, the day after Christmas, 12 26, 2022. This happens to be a five star rating. Now, if this were the Com Center uh, show that you watched last night, uh, Jay Keefe's, uh, my reading of his um, review would probably mute, be muted because uh, that's exactly what his phone call was last night. However, this is not. This is the Failure to Stop show. This is the flagship show, Breakdowns. And here is his review. It's titled, Gets Me Through. It says, I absolutely love this podcast. There are three exclamation points to emphasize his point. <clears throat> I love different formats and topics. It gets me Theo my shift through days off. And there are four exclamation points for that. And as I could say, because I know Jason personally, and plus he's a firefighter, he has plenty of days off. So obviously, Eric, we're doing the Lord's work because we're getting him through probably 300 of the 365 days of the year. He uh, says, I like, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. He also says that he is looking forward to what 23 has in store. He emphasizes that with three exclamation points as well. 
if it's uh to my recollection um three exclamation points means you are getting laid so if you are texting a significant other or somebody that you're courting and they say can't wait to see you tonight exclamation point exclamation point exclamation point uh you're on the way to getting um a sexual encounter is what yeah. i've i i've learned over the years it's true four, you might get anal actually with four exclamation points so be careful um when I feel you like that's five. Oh, is that five yeah okay Oof. that's five okay that's an odd number uh two you get a beach or a hand uh or a handy j one they're not that excited to be with you probably uh probably not going to last long so you know be careful with the exclamation points and how you use them it is important is there any other reviews elijah that only really counts by the way if uh if the person who sent the text has eaten green m&ms okay this comes from mincel it was left in this year uh january 4th oh our first uh review of the year our first it review is the of first the year. review of the year and in fact yeah. the title is so appropriate because it, it the title is 2023 it says was really hoping andrea would get better internet this year maybe <laughs> in 2024 she does next episode she has it she's got it she just didn't have the adapter we did over the break work on her internet um and we had it all set up like a like a re, like a true female because she is a female i mean she's a blonde female so you know they get all the new things and although they have a week off we're gonna wait till the night of the show to actually put the new equipment together instead of you know lord forbid we do it a week uh you know a week sooner we'll wait till the night of um, but that's just that's just how the, how it rolls. But this Tuesday night, she will have good internet. That sounds nothing like what Jonathan Bates and I did at all. <laughs> Anything else, uh, Elijah? No, we're all good on reviews. All caught up. Okay, great. Um, today's show is brought to you by GhostBed.com. GhostBed.com forward slash Wolfpack. They have been a huge supporter of Failure to Stop since our first season. We are now in our third season. Um, and we and we're, couldn't be more excited to go through this season. Uh, the reason why we love Ghostbed and and help me out. Um, are we still there? I, I'm I'm here. Okay, uh, help me out here is uh, the reason why we love Ghostbed is because it's made in the good old USA. Yes, USA. Yes. Mm, U gotta love it. SA. USA. Uh, they have those cooling sheets and pillows with all the cooling technology. Everybody raves about them. And um, yeah, everybody's got a ghost bed. Mike the cop, the official Mike the cop, sleeps on a ghost bed every night. The underpaid producer who produces the show sleeps on a ghost bed. Heck right yeah, now they're brother. offering 35% off after the holiday sales, 35% off. So if you're going into the Valentine's Day holiday and you want to get that special someone something extra special, get her a bed, baby. Get her the adjustable base. Get her the cooling pillows. Get her the sheets. Get her the topper. Get her anything um, or him, get him something. If you are the wife to a first responder or the husband to a first responder, every first responder needs a good night's rest. It's science, cuts down on mental health issues, everything. So if you wanna have a better life, if you want your significant other to be better at their job, get them a ghost bed. If you're a good supervisor, get your best employee a ghost bed. It'll make them a better, it'll make them better. Right now, go to ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack uh, and that gets you 35% off, baby. Best beds in the biz. Made in the USA, of course. And that is my favorite. Right now, they've got 0% down, 0% financing. And that's if you have uh, firefighter credit. 
If you have Jay Kiefer credit, you can afford a ghost bed. I don't know. Jason might actually have a ghost bed. I can't remember if he had one or not. Uh, they probably the have like uh, 12 ghost bunk beds in that uh, fire department. Yeah, I think he's that. some kind of like a fire chief or something, and he can yeah, afford whatever. that shit, dude. Fucking make your firemen better second responders. Get those boys a bed that uh that's made for real first responders get them that ghost bed that's it for uh for ads today i want to jump in today's topic which is extremely serious it's super villains on the loose we have a problem in this country and it's not the police the police are not the problem might be the judicial system it might be the judges uh it might be the villains that are running wild on the street today we're going to talk about what that means how bad is it and how do we fix it but first we want to play a little bit of dispatch audio uh, especially since we have dispatcher drew on uh, as a, one of the main hosts of this show drew breezy i'm sure he's gonna have a lot to say with it elijah go ahead and hit that cue that tape for us real quick so we still have them behind thompson can anybody confirm anything there 10-4 he was last seen jumping the fence and going towards the office Approaching six where my need is. 
County, is there any more resources that are needed down there? Whatever you have, you can send them down. Uh, what you heard there was from an incident on January 2nd. That's in Breckenridge in Pennsylvania. It's just outside of Pittsburgh. The suspect had shot two police officers um, and then was fatally shot himself after a standoff. But what today's show is going to be all about is just this. Aaron Swan, who was 28 years old, um, and he shot and killed the police chief of the town after a, a, tra a traffic stop that resulted in, in a foot pursuit. But what's more important here, and what we're going to talk about is that Swan has an extensive career criminal history to include an assault on a police officer, a very violent assault on a police officer. And also, was accessory to a murder, if not the murderer, only 731 days before this incident. He's got robbery charges. He's got brandishing of multiple firearm charges. His criminal history goes back to the to to his early early days in as a teenager, and he's now 28, and he's on the street. He was last arrested for possession or for stealing a Glock handgun. He was actually on probation for stealing a handgun. And as I, I've come to learn, and there's not a lot out about this case yet, but that is the suspected weapon used in this case. We have a real problem in this country, and it's not the police. And before I turn it over uh, to, to Drew... Um, the San Bernardino County uh, also has an officer murdered this year, um, and the suspect was 44-year-old William Shea McCray. Uh, he was convicted of a third-strike offense last year and should have been put in the state prison for 25 years to life, but San Bernardino County judge lowered his bail, allowing his release, and later released him following an arrest, failing to appear at his sentence. Um, he should, this is a quote here. He should have been immediately sentenced to 25 years to life. Chief Bianco said, we should not be here today. If the judge had just done her job, um, this was another career criminal. We'll talk about what it means to be a career criminal. It's not just a term that is thrown out. You have to earn the title of career criminal Florida deputies, uh, encountered, a violent, violent attack, an ambush on a traffic stop. Um, and this was back in 2021. We covered this story. If you want to go back and listen to it, you're more than welcome to. But it was the dramatic video, if you were to recall, where they stopped the man and he gets out of the car shooting at the police, pistol whips another cop in the head until he's brought down um, in a hail of gunfire by another heroic cop. It's a great video where the police win. Um, but the sheriff's department described Wilder, the suspect in this case, as a career offender whose record included 40 arrests for charges that include arm, rob arm robbery, aggravated assault, drug offenses, battery of law enforcement officers, attempted first degree felony murder. Uh, he was out on bond for two felony drug charges and had two active felony warrants at the time of the shootout with deputies. We have a huge problem right now, and it's not the police. It's allowing criminals or supervillains to roam the streets and for what cause and for what purpose? What is the point in allowing people so many, so many chances? It's almost as if it's a conspiracy in its own. 
Uh, that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, going back to Breckenridge, the county case, and you just heard the dispatch audio. Uh, Drew, how does it make you feel just listening to that coming from prior law enforcement being retired and also working as a supervisor in a dispatch office? It's chilling. And and, and to hear both sides or, or to understand what both sides are thinking um, makes it even worse, in my opinion, for, for you know, for me. I'm, I'm not saying woe is me. Uh, God rest the soul of, of Chief Justin McIntyre. That's who lost his life that day. And then uh, another officer was shot in the leg. Um, <clears throat> I, I see a lot of comments about how calm the dispatcher was and and um, such is the case. I mean, she, she she held and maintained composure. She handled all the requests as they came in. Uh, but I can tell you from, um, let's just take it from the dispatch side first. Um, from uh, from a dispatcher point of view or from somebody who's running a communication center, I can tell you the dispatcher trauma comes in many forms when you're on uh, answering constant 911 calls. It's the uh, repeated traumas that you're, you're dealing with. From a radio standpoint, which is often different than the call takers, this there is no more traumatic incident than the death of an, of an officer. Now, we talked a little bit about it on on um, uh, Com Center last night, but um, th- there is a certain and, and it's been confirmed in uh, some exit interviews I've done because there's a high turnover rate in that profession. But there is a certain feeling, a pit in the stomach feeling uh, of a dispatcher when they hear an officer in distress uh, in any way, shape, or form because they feel responsible. It's, it's a sense of, I just sent that guy to his death. Now, it, it, it could be that the guy was the closest to the shooter. It could be that the guy, that the, the officer was, you know, just happened upon a robbery or whatever. But when you're working the radio, you feel like this kind of, um, in a St. Michael sense, kind of like an overwatch of, of these officers. You're supposed to keep track of them and you're supposed to keep the people safe that are keeping everybody else safe. So, there, that is probably one of the most traumatic things that you'll deal with is the death of an officer on the radio. We had a couple instances. Of course, we had the, the horrific uh, murder-suicide that took place over our airwaves a few years ago uh, that the dispatchers had to hear. Um, we also had the uh, a, a few, think about it, every time that there's a, a traffic crash uh, involving um, an, an active officer, there's a dispatcher on the other end of that radio that's listening to what's going on. And when you can't get somebody to respond to you, that's why even as a, as a deputy, sometimes you get irritated or an officer as you get, you get irritated when they're calling you and calling you and calling you. And you're thinking, just shut up for a second. I'm just trying to get this dude's license. They can't see what's going on. And and they start getting uh, kind of a, a, a sense of anxiety that you're in some kind of danger and they just want to get help to you because they feel responsible for you. So that's one side of this. That's the dispatch side of it. And uh, I, I did see some questions. Uh, Nike asked, uh, what, what does secure the channel mean? It, it means different things in different areas. One being secure the channel just means don't let anybody else talk except for me right now. Or don't let anybody else talk except for, you know, the dispatcher is going to be the air traffic controller in that situation. Secure the channel can also mean hit a little button so this becomes digitally encrypted so it's no longer available to the media and to any Joe Schmo with a scanner or somebody who's listening in over the internet. 
um, it, we're in the digital age of radios and that's, that's kind of where, um, you know, encryption of, of the voice comes over. There, there's, there are public, um, uh, public records debates over whether live broadcasts of police activity or fire activity should be just completely public record and you should be able to hear it in real time. There are major agencies and major cities that are pushing back on that because it's a safety issue. So, you know, they're chasing this guy on foot. Uh, you, you don't want the media to know where they are. You don't want the media to know what they're doing. It's not a matter of shielding them from what we're doing like we're doing something nefarious it's a matter of the safety of the people that are actually doing the. we also got to remember that these criminals a lot of them all have police scanners right they have the apps right. on their phones even before the apps on their phones they had scanners and any good criminal and any good person that's committing crime on a daily basis and and usually this is like the most unsuspected person right it's the kid that looks like a huge raging piece of shit on the side of the street well, he's got a scanner in his pocket right. i i've i've pulled over many people um, or got out on a voluntary encounter and could hear their little phone in their pocket giving out my dispatch. If you have that going on in a foot pursuit, that allows other career criminals to hide or to help in the escape. They can pick them up in a car. You know, if you've given out the dispatch, he says, hey, we're, we're heading south and he looks like he's dipped into the woods. Let's get another car around the cul to the cul-de-sac on the back end of the, this wood line. Well, if you're a smart criminal and you've got a moped, you might be able to get to that that uh, that cul-de-sac first. So there's there's a reason why securing the channel also makes like if you have several districts, we do here in Raleigh, we have four districts. We're gonna take right. uh, we're gonna take all the rest of the radio traffic and send it to another district, and then just secure this channel for this exact foot pursuit. But you got to remember, guys, this cop's got shot in the face; he's dead. We're in a so, foot pursuit with a violent criminal. That doesn't mean that the rest of the city stops committing crimes. So, so here's where, here's where I bridge the two worlds because the dispatcher keeps asking over and over and over and over who's down, who's down. And I'm telling you as an officer on the street, uh, even, even, even having been in the position of a dispatcher, sometimes you're just like, Hey, leave it alone. I don't want to talk about this right now. Like I know what I got. You don't need to know, but that's incorrect. Because that dispatcher is trying to account for every single officer that's out there. So she's not being nosy. She's she's actually responsible. You can't send for Drew as a check-in if Drew's got one between his eyes. That's exactly right. And 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 so so that's you know, people keep asking, is 1501 accounted for? Is 1501 accounted for? That's obviously Chief McIntyre's radio number. Um, and she's she's unable to answer them until finally, you know, the guy that is standing over him and, and you can hear it in his voice. You know exactly what happened. You just don't know that it's chief McIntyre. Um, you know, give me the, send me the medics and I need them right here. I, you know, um, all she's trying to do is keep account of who's missing. She already knew that 1501 was missing. So, uh, so, th so that now you have the officer standing over him and, and listen, the drama of this whole thing is he, he's dealing with one of his coworkers, maybe one of his friends. I don't know. I don't want to downplay it. Him standing over his friend and, 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 and we're, you know, again, the root of the topic of today is, is super villains on the streets. Right. Um, but I, we're just trying to paint a, a very, a very detailed picture before we jump into this. When you hear that audio earlier and you heard the, stress in the officer's voice and, and, and kind of the panic, you can feel it, right? Like you oh, can feel man. that in your soul. Um, it's not like you're working at food line when you're a cop, 
right? There's very little camaraderie in working at Target with somebody. There's very little camaraderie in working at the United States Postal Service. Uh, there's little camaraderie if you're working for Amazon. But the camaraderie you have as a cop is is very similar to uh, the camaraderie you'd have on a football team. And we saw the stress and we saw the emotions this week on on the, the Buffalo Bills football game. But being a cop is not a regular job. These aren't just your regular coworkers. I, I saw a lot of people say, why do we make such a big deal when a cop dies? It's a big deal because it is a brotherhood. And you work with these guys in the most stressful situations and your highest of highs in your life are with these men. The lowest of your lows are also with these guys. And what I mean by highest of the high is you might um, you might have a, a suicidal subject and, and you just really desperately don't want to see this person take their life and you really empathize with them and everybody is bought into the hostage negotiation. Every, everybody hears the story over the airwaves of what this person has to say and they empathize with it and all they want from they want nothing more than this person to to be alive. And this happens weekly to, to officers weekly it happens all the time, not just once in their career, not just twice all the time. It's a normal thing. And then those, per those people may come down off of the bridge or they might take the gun away from their head. And that's a high man. You're riding a high, you're high fiving, you're going, you're, you're, sergeant's bringing you pizza. That's a huge high, man. And you go home and you look at your kids and you might not tell them what happened, but you're looking at your kids and you're like, man, dad did something today. Dad saved a life today. Dad did something productive that not a lot of people say that they did today. And you feel really good. And then you have those lows where it doesn't work out. And that person smokes themselves and puts their brains all over the back of the fucking uh, recliner chair. And you're at your lowest point and you all, you know, come back to the office and you're licking your wounds and nobody wants to eat their fucking lunch. And so, and this goes on day in and day out. You win the foot pursuit, you have a high. You lose the foot pursuit, you have a low. And and so it's a def, it's when when you lose somebody in the thin blue line, it hits way different. It hits the community way different. Not a lot of times, uh, or generally speaking, does uh, the target employee change somebody's life forever? Um, that they that they visual that they know right. Not oftentimes does. Uh, you know, um, you know, the garbage man changed somebody's life forever that he knows. Right. But a police officer can go in and talk to a kid who's going to talk to another kid who's going to talk to another kid who's going to talk to the school who's going to put it on the social media webs. And that, that one officer is going to touch several lives over the course of his career. And so it's a huge loss for each officer. And, and that's why it's a big deal when an officer sure. like this, this that, is taken that, down. Not to mention the community impact of a protector. So, so if, if a community feels safe, it's generally because the protectors are making them feel safe, and or, or they're just safe because of the way the people, the protectors are protecting them. If we can't even protect the protectors, not to say that you know a million times, but um, it, it's a sign of um, perhaps things aren't as safe as you think. If the cops can't even go down the street without being attacked. It's it's a sign of the times and it's a sign of safety. Now, you know, there might be a little bit uh, added fear, but um, and I, I think to your point too, Eric, like um, I think when you deal with an officer death, especially when you show up on the scene, uh, I think everybody, at least in a department that has a soul, has a moment of that could have been me. That that easily could have been me. It's it's never necessarily just the unsafe guy that gets killed or the the unsafe girl or whatever. It's not. It doesn't work that way. Uh, God has a plan, and you know you might be chosen in that moment. How many how many stories do you know of? And I'll ask the chat where 
the officer was killed by a career criminal and he shot him in the right place. And I say the right place. I mean, just the area that's not protected by the vest. So, you know, like this little area here or just the perfect shot. We had a Polk deputy that was killed by another deputy accidentally at a search warrant because it just hit where the vest wasn't. That vest isn't 100% coverage. So it's not always the unsafe cops that that die. So we all know how vulnerable and how fragile, how fragile we are. Yet we just strap on the vest and put on the badge and we just go out and protect like it's like it's our job because it's our job. So when you actually see that, when you're standing over and, 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 you know, a friend of yours has their head blown off, if you'll notice too, he, he had a moment of gravity where he had to take a look around. It was probably a surreal moment for him anyway. And he's like, Hey, we need the gas company out here because they, there's bullet holes where the gas, you know, we're uh, in the gas pipeline. So think about having to think about the guy you're standing over, who is your peer thinking about, is this gas line going to blow up? And then let's, Let's think about the third wild card here. The fucking felon who's out shooting cops and just killed your buddy. And you don't know where he is because you're hearing on the radio. He hasn't been captured yet. He's not. We're not safe yet. Yeah. Now, not if that's not enough. This was their chief. This was their police chief. This was the Breckenridge police chief. This incident started around 2 p.m. on Monday um, and I'm taking this article right now from WTAE.com. Um, the incident began around 2 p.m. on Monday. Uh, Swan first encountered Harrison Township officers. Aaron, uh, Swan is going to be your suspect here. Police chased the suspect on foot for several hours in the vicinity. At around 4.15 p.m., Breckenridge officers uh, encountered the suspect at the 800 block of 3rd Street. Two shootings followed the foot chase. One where the suspect was encountered on 3rd Street and the other several blocks over on Breckenridge Avenue. Police said McIntyre was shot and died at the scene. Tarantum Officer Jordan uh, Saren Ghost was injured from a gunshot to the leg. He's in good condition at the local hospital. Police said that Swan then walked into a home and demanded car keys, taking a 2014 Subaru Legacy from the 1100 block of Pacific Avenue and fleeing the area. The individuals whose car was stolen were not injured. Multiple police departments, including SWAT, responded to the scene, actively searching for Swan, who was considered to be armed and dangerous. Um, according to police, Swan uh, and the stolen vehicle were found in Pittsburgh's Lincoln Limington neighborhood. Now, I... I spoke with an officer that was involved in this incident. Um, he wants his name to, to be redacted here. So it's not anonymous. He's, he's, I know him. Well, I don't know him personally, but I spoke to him on the phone and through, and through emails. He, he told me that Lincoln Limington neighborhood is probably not, not the safest of neighborhoods. You can imagine what kind of neighborhood that is in the inner city. Police located the car, attempted to stop it, and cha the chase ensued. Swan allegedly crashed the car, got out, and ran into a nearby wooded area. While attempting to run from the wooded area, Swan allegedly fired at officers. Officers returned fire, hitting the suspect who died on the scene from his injuries. Um, and a Pittsburgh officer sustained minor injuries, uh, which was shrapnel. Of course, the news called that out as a third officer being shot, but it was later uh, they came to find out that it was just shrapnel. Um, now, all of this comes on the heels uh, of why I wanted to talk about that. And, and it's, you know, it's sad that it happened this way, but um, in, in Riverside County, California, it made national news when their police chief got on the airwaves on the, on the media, on the broad media and literally called out 
the judge and the judge's decision to let go the 44 year old William Shea McKay um, with a violent history stretching back to before 2000 that included kidnapping, robbery, multiple arrests for assault with a deadly weapon, including a 2021 car chase with California Highway Patrol, and he stabbed a canine dog. And this guy is not in prison. He was three strikes and you're out 25 years to life and he's out on bail and he kills an officer, man. How we just talked about the severity of losing an officer. Now, how many of the 60 officers that were killed in 2022 were killed by repeat offenders that should be in prison? It's over 50%. It's over 50%. This guy... I'm sorry to interrupt, but no, th- th- this guy, when you say repeat offender, I mean, he, or you say he should have been three strikes and in prison and blah, blah. It's beyond that because, and I know you know this cause we talked about it, but he was out on bond. Okay. He had been convicted by this judge. We'll talk about her. I'm sure in a minute, he had been convicted in this judge's courtroom on uh, lesser charges from uh, a case involving like it was like armed armed robbery and kidnapping or whatever and it was uh he he was convicted of um uh i can't think of the the term but um it, it was definitely a felon a violent felony offense that would have earned him the three strikes that California has. California has a three strike law. And, you know, if you three time convicted felon for certain felonies, it's a minimum mandatory of 25 years to life. So he was convicted in her courtroom of these charges. Um, It's going to hit me like a ton of bricks when, uh, when I remember what the charge was. So she actually gave him a bond before his sentencing. Because he wasn't, he wasn't convicted of the armed robbery and the kidnapping. He was convicted of these lesser charges. So she gave him a bond. Now I can tell you this: I worked a case in Hillsborough County where uh, three inmates were going to literally shoot their way out of the Falkenberg Road Jail. Um, they they had a, a RCI who was going to smuggle a gun into them. We we sold them a, the gun. It was a great case. The whole nine yards. It was fun, and and thank God nobody got hurt. Um, one of the guys that was in there was, had just been sentenced. He was still awaiting placement in the Florida department of corrections. He had just been sentenced to 40 years for armed robbery. Now he's sitting in a, in a local County jail after being tried and convicted of armed robbery for a series of robberies he did down in the city of Tampa. What do you think that that guy has to lose by breaking out of jail or by shooting his way out of jail. He's got nothing to lose. He's about to do 40 years. The other two guys were murderers, by the way. So it's the same with this guy. He's a two-time convicted felon. He, he, one, of the, one of the convictions involved fleeing a police officer and trying to kill a canine, trying to kill a, an officer, which is, I, I think, the same, you know, attempted uh, assault on a, a peace officer or something that had an effect because it's a canine. So here this guy is sentenced to 25 years to life. He's provided a bond to go home. You could go home with your family and hang out and then just show back up for the sentencing. So he doesn't show back up for the sentencing the first time and he's captured. 
and he goes in front of the same judge and she grants him another bond. So he didn't show up the first time and she's going to give him a bond for that. That's when he killed the deputy when he was out on the second bond. He should have never been out the first time. He should have been sentenced right then and there. He shouldn't have been out the second time because, listen, the reason for a bond, if you're, you're not familiar, the reason that we, we, we ask for a bond is if you're a flight risk or we feel that you're not going to, or, or the criminal justice system feels that you're not going to show up to answer your charges. What better way of showing that you're not going to answer to your charges than not showing up to your own sentencing hearing? So this guy in no way, shape, or form should have been roaming the streets. I, I don't care what she set the bond at because there's there are media reports that she actually, actually doubled the, the minimum allowable bond and all this. I don't care. That, that guy should have been in custody. There's no reason that guy should have been roaming the streets because, again, what does he have to lose? And what's every fear uh, that you've dealt with as an officer who's, you know, like the career criminal you're going to arrest? He's, he's told his um, – He's told his significant other, uh, I'm not going back alive. I'm not going back to prison. And then yeah. your 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 job, Eric, is to go arrest that guy. And my question here is, is why? Why is it that the criminal justice system feels the need to reduce every single crime that the police I don't know of a case that I ever took in that wasn't that they didn't cut a plea deal. And now I've heard, and and I think what we're going to do is a follow up to this episode because I'd like to get, I'd like to get a, uh, a a DA in here. I'd like to get a DA and say what, why is it that you feel like it's okay for these repeat defend repeat offenders to get a break every freaking time? Right. When when I get a registration violation ticket and I'm going to pay the whole ticket, and I was a cop and I've always paid my registration except one time. I don't get a plea deal and I'm not even a repeat offender. However, you pull a scumbag on the side of the road that hasn't registered a car in four fucking years and, you know, has a criminal history, you know, with more issues than Sports Illustrated. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, as long as you just pay it now, we'll go ahead and call us good. Why do they get to call it good and, and, and other people don't? Why is it that the career criminal gets all of what makes them so special? It's it's their manipulation of the system. Like they know their way around the system. They know what to plea to and they know what not to plea to. I, I had a guy uh, that I arrested who was a part of a homicide. There is no doubt in my mind, and I, I, I can bring you witnesses that will tell you the same, that he was marching this other guy up the stairs to kill him. He didn't know that we were sitting. We, we were actually waiting for the other guy. The, 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 let's Let's just say there was a skinny guy and a fat guy. So we're waiting for the fat guy to return to his apartment. This is when I was in narcotics. I worked in an undercover role. And we're sitting on surveillance waiting for this guy to return to his apartment. And the minute he gets back, we're just going to tackle him because he's a murder suspect. So he's walking up the stairs, but behind him is the skinny guy. What we didn't realize is that the skinny guy was already avenging the death of his buddy. He was going back up to get the dope money, and he was going to kill him when he got to the apartment. We... Uh, before they got up to the apartment, we had them lay on the ground, blah, blah, blah. We had him handcuffed. The fat guy starts yelling, that guy, he's, he's holding me hostage. He's holding me hostage. The skinny guy who I'm standing over just kind of looks up at me and says, I have a 45 in my waist. And I'm like, oh, shit. And I reach in and sure enough, he had a 45 in his waist. And I'm like, okay, 
the hackles go off because he's telling me this for a reason. He's been down this road. He knows what he's doing. So we arrest him. They take him to the, they take him to uh, criminal investigations where they start interviewing him. And of course the homicide suspect, um, he's, he, he kind of gives the story of what he was going to do. He was avenging his buddy's death. He was going to get the dro- dope, dope money back. There's no doubt in his mind. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I missed a key piece of this. He said, I have a 45 in my waist and I'm a convicted felon. Those were his words. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, there's th- this is an odd statement for him to make. So let's be very careful with this guy. It turns out he was just a gentleman about it, right? And you know what he did in his first appearance? He pled guilty. So I wrote a criminal report affidavit to put this guy in jail. I don't even think we got the paperwork back for felon in possession of a firearm. I, I think we charged him with whatever we charged him with, carrying a concealed firearm. He pled to it. End of case. It's over. The state's happy because they have somebody in prison. What he avoided was us digging further and charging him further with anything else. So he, in his criminal mind, and I'm telling you, before I even wrote the report, had already done this, in his criminal mind is saying, I can do my 364 days for this and I'll be out in a year or I can give them the opportunity to dig deeper and I'm going to end up getting another 10 or 12 years. So they have gamed the system. They, they I mean, have played even on the even when they don't game the system, though, you cannot deny that judges, um, ex- oh, especially no. Democrat judges, are notorious for letting career criminals go. And I've seen it with my own eyes. I mean, I had a, I, uh, I had a guy that did 120 days in jail, got out of jail, went right back to selling heroin. And when I caught him, he had a duffel bag with trafficking amounts of not just heroin, but all sorts of other opioids. Um, uh, you name it. He had a trafficking amount of it in a in a military green duffel bag, but he also had a stolen three fifty seven Magnum in his uh, waistband, which he and I fought over, and he threw uh, while we were fighting. So he had the gun in his hand. He, I'm, I'm glad he didn't choose to shoot me with it, and he chose to throw it. Uh, I arrested him again, not even two years later, when he was trying to break into an ATM machine. But my thing is, is he's a convicted felon. He was on post-release after just doing 120 days. He has trafficking amounts of everything. And he has a, and he has a stolen firearm loaded as a convicted felon. And he gets out in less than two years. What is the purpose of that? That is a guy who's never, he, there's no reform there. You know, no, I don't care how expensive it is. That dude is like, that guy needs to go away for five, six, 10 years. The guy that broke my leg did 14 years in jail for attempted murder, got out 10 days later, breaks my leg and tries to kill the same lady that put him in jail for the first, the first time. I, I I don't fear criminal justice reform. I I think it would be foolish to do so because the system is not perfect. And if, if you're a cop and you think that the system is perfect, we've just given you about 25 examples of why it's not, why it's absolutely not perfect. So I, I don't fear criminal justice reform. The problem is what, uh, how they're reforming or they're reforming in progress. So you've got to think too, what's the purpose of jail right now? Or not, forget that. The purpose of jail is to hold them to determine whether they're going to go to, you know, pretrial detention to, to, to determine if they're going to go to prison. Prison is for one year and beyond. Now, what's the purpose of prison? Are we going to rehabilitate or are we going to punish? There are two schools of thought. There are some prisoners that deserve rehabilitation or should be rehabilitated. And then there are some that just completely deserve uh, punishment. Like, are you going to, the, the Idaho sus- suspected 
Idaho murderer. Are you going to rehabilitate that guy? No, uh, no, no. And 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 so, are, are you, you going to rehabilitate the fucking six-time felon? Right. Well, that's the point. That's no. what I'm saying. So, so in the criminal justice system. But here's the thing: is, is that they, when you get to prison and you join a gang, okay, that's it. There's no more reforming you. You no, literally came not. to jail or prison and you did the same shit that you did on the street, which means that there's nothing that's going to deter you from getting out. You think that if you spend your teenage years in a gang and you hit 20 and you murder a dude and then you go to prison for 20 years and you join a gang for 20 more years in prison, that when you get out of prison, you're no longer going to be a gang member. Right. I, I, I feel that there are. Uh, probably low percentage cases. I don't, I, I mean, the recidivism rate of, of a prisoner is very high. So I, I don't know what they're using to measure, but I, I, I do feel there's a low percentage that it takes with, you know what I mean? Sometimes it's just a, a substance abuse issue. Like if it's a serial burglar, they're just breaking into shit just to, uh, to get money for, for dope or whatever. Yeah, we don't, say, you, nobody, nobody you, even talks about that, Drew. Nobody, nobody cares about that. I, you, I, I mean, that guy, that. that guy in jail probably gets a, that, that guy goes to prison. We're talking about the thugs. We're talking about the gang members. We're talking about the Cleothas. If you remember the true crime case that we did with, uh, Cleotha, I mean, that yes. dude had an extensive history before he raped and murdered uh, a, a female jogger. But it was Clotho, right? That that, that did the jogger. Yeah. But yeah, huge criminal history. And and these are all the gang members, man. This is, you, you know, it's not you're the majority, generally speaking, and we're allowed to do that. Generally oh, gotcha. speaking, your gang members are your career criminals. And we yeah. know what kind of piece of shit crimes that I'm referring to. And it's not the petty theft. It's not your uh, your crackhead on the street. Matter of fact, your, your crackhead on the street's probably doing more time than the gang member piece of shit. Why is it that the man in court with all the tattoos on his face that's wearing the gang colors and the beads in front of the judge, why is he the one that gets to get out on bail every day? fucking time that doesn't have to wait out his sentence doesn't have to wait for sentencing why is it that they are the ones why is it that the democrat judges have chosen that this demographic of human being gets to get all of the benefits to being a piece of shit now i bet you if this dude was a white supremacist he'd be locked away lock and key and no judge is going to give him a break Right. If this dude walked into, if this kid right here that we're talking about in Breckenridge walked into court for his sentencing with a rebel flag pen tat, uh, on his on his suit jacket, there's no way he'd get a break in hell. But if he walks in with gang beads, oh, we're going to change our tone. We're going to talk to him like this. You know, what can we do to get you to stop committing these crimes? I've heard it with my own ears. And I God. sit back in my, you know, in the officer's seating area going, why? What are why are you changing the tone of your voice? You just had four white people with DUIs that just came up here, and you talk like you were fucking. Um, uh, I forgot her name now, but the the chick that's on the news that's you know hammers the Casey Anthony's and all those. But Nancy Grace, Nancy you know Grace. why you go on Nancy Grace on a you know on the college student with the DUI or the forty year old mom white mom with the DUI, but at the minute we get a black gang member up there with tattoos all over his neck and his face. We're going to go ahead and talk to him like we're Mr. Fucking Rogers. And I'm not trying to be, I'm not, I'm not, this isn't a racist thing. This is a real thing. Go say, if you don't believe me before you, you call me a racist and say, how dare I, I point this fact out, go sit in a courtroom today, go sit there from 9am to noon and just watch the tone of voice. Unless you get a black judge, right? The black judges, you know, our black judge in Raleigh 
I'm not going to say his name, but um, most officers will know who he was. But, you know, he refused to allow you into his courtroom if you did not have a tucked in shirt. Our our detectives our our gang undercover detectives who would come in to watch a case but still need to maintain the fact that they're undercover didn't matter. He'd say, tuck in your shirt. And they're like, we're just going to have to walk out because if we tuck in our shirt, everybody's going to see our gun and our badge. He yeah, didn't play around. Like yeah. but, but you get a white judge. A white judge won't do that. A white judge is like, oh, I can't, I can't do that. I can't have decorum in my courtroom because that's racism. I, I think that there may... So <laughs> this is the vicious cycle that I see. This is the way Drew sees it, uh, especially out in California. <sighs> the system... Uh, is stacked for the criminal in in a sense because the people that are making those decisions, the judges, have been exposed to the corruption of police from early 70s, early 80s, whatever, okay? So why were they corrupt? Because the system was stacked against them. Because everything that was happening they decided that they just needed to cheat to win and they handed it down from generation and to generation. And let's talk about that, Drew. Accepted. Let's talk about that because, you know, I've, I know a lot of officers from the 70s and I've talked to a lot of cops from the 70s and, I, and that always comes up as a point of contention. However, the mass majority of police officers, even in the 70s, became a police officer because it was more of a calling, almost like a priesthood, yeah. right? Like you're called to be a preacher. You know, FBI uh, profilers said that almost the profile of a of a priest is almost the same profile as a police officer. They both have these these callings that can't be explained. They have this faith in a system that they can't see or it seems impossible. Um, so they're they're very similar. Even back then in the 70s, the mass majority of cops weren't going around because they wanted to go beat up a black person. What they did was they got tired of seeing people of any color. And it just so happens that it was these low income guys committing crimes over and over again. And it does frustrate you. And listen, when you're, when you're, when you're chasing a career criminal and he ducks into the woods and you know that this guy's a huge piece of shit with a long rap sheet, doesn't matter if he's black, white, Asian, uh, although I've never arrested an Asian um, or Mexican or anything like that. Um, and trust me, I wanted an Asian. I just never found one. I just they never none of them ever fucked up in front of me. Um, but I have every almost every other race. I even have um like straight like straight Africa. Like um, I even got a um, uh, Brazilian once, Colombian a few times. Arrested a French guy once. Never an Asian. But you know these guys that you know are a career and they dip out in the woods. Like you think all you can think about is man, we're in the woods and nobody can see us. I'd really like to fuck start this dude. And you probably would, most cops probably would, if it wasn't for a fear of body camera or something like that. And I think what happened in the 70s was that, you know, you, you turn into a vigilante and there wasn't any uh, there wasn't any video cameras and there's any police crimes. Yeah. I don't know that the, the corruption rate was any more back then than it is now. I think that's just- No, they were, I disagree. I, I think it was, I think it was a lot higher back then because uh, if, if not, why would, why would we have to uh, reform eyewitness identification procedures or why would, you know, there, or why I see would you're saying be because it was just easier to cheat the system to, that's what I'm but, yeah, but there, I don't know if they, okay, so I should say project. like, I don't know if their intent was any different than the intent is now. No, I, I, I get that completely. Completely, they're more the, like baseball the players. They're still playing is, baseball. They just want to hear the beat of the drum so they don't want pitch to throw. Okay, that's them. that's a great example. We're still playing baseball, but we're in a steroid era, right? So it, it's it's harder for pitchers to strike somebody out because you got dudes on roids who are cranking the ball fifteen hundred feet in the in back in the sixties. You know George George Herman Ruth, known as the Babe, 
he didn't take steroids. He just knocked the shit out of the ball. But he was one out of, you know, 50 players, whereas maybe 40 out of 50 players can knock the shit out of a ball now. So if anything, it's more transparent. We're, we're paying for the sins of the previous uh, people. And I'm not I'm not suggesting any of them. I'm not saying they're all bad people and that's the way it was and blah, blah, blah. So even if it's like the 97th percentile that was, that was on the up and up or whatever, the 3% gave the judiciary a bad taste in their mouth. We we experienced it here in the County where I I live and work. We got two or three back-to-back cases in front of a federal judge that they determined were based in corruption but weren't. It, it was simple mistakes. It was law enforcement procedure. It was whatever. But they swear up and down that we were all corrupt. And yeah, they do that on on most on you know <laughs> almost yeah, every just, case that you get that's of some kind of significance. I mean, we look back at the OJ case. You know, it yeah. was ultimate corruption. We look at the uh, um, you know what what's her what's her name back here uh, the case Casey Anthony um, Casey Anthony case. You know, police corruption in there, and you know, and, and it's not. It's just the impossible amount of clerical work that cops yeah. typically see students aren't good at. So, um, uh, so along uh, along those lines too, and I mean, I, I'm just saying once 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 those federal judges once it's in the water that you know the the Tansy County Police Department is corrupt. Once they get that in their mind. Any Tansy County officer that comes in there is corrupt. Sure. And you could be the best. You could be St. Michael himself and say, no, no. And judge, by the way, it was your daughter that was the victim here. It doesn't matter. You're corrupt. And 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 this is what happens. So in my opinion, in my, in my guesstimation, this is kind of what's happening out west. Like in California, it's all sympathy for criminals. It's all sympathy for criminals because the system is rigged. But it's not but just sympathy for criminals. It's it's sympathy for gang related criminals. Fine, yeah. I, if you I, 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 like, honestly, I mean, like if you had a if you had a black person and a white person that were both charged with embezzling money, uh, both are gonna are gonna get the full arm of the law. I, I truly believe that. If you get a, a blue collar black guy and a blue collar white guy that get caught embezzling some kind of money. You know, they're probably going to be paying back a fuck ton of money unless they're rich, unless they're like stupid, stupid fucking rich. Right. You know, then they could pay their way out of this. But, you know, like if it's, you know, more times than not, they're going to see um, they're going to see the law enforced fairly, if you will. But if you have a black gang member who steals something versus just a white guy that steals something, the black gang member that stole something is going to get a huge break and a huge plea deal. A white guy's not going to get anything. So like, you know, this whole white privilege thing when it comes to the court system, that's way gone. And it's, there's no black privilege either, but there's gang member privilege. I mean, there's, you know, there's, you be black and put tattoos all over your body and you get a break. And I don't, I mean, I've seen, I've been to courthouses in several different places, sat in in many different trials for many different reasons. um, And I see it everywhere I go. If you are a gang member with the more tattoos you have as a gang member, the more deals you're going to catch. And I want to know why. And I'd love for somebody to do some science data because I know I'm not wrong. I mean, I, I've never done the the cheats myself, but I've just seen it with my own eyes. Why is well, it I, that the bigger the piece of shit, the more breaks that you're going to get? 
I, I can provide data. Six percent of the six pe- percent of the people commit sixty percent of the crime. That's that's established in intelligence-led policing that Dr. Jerry Radcliffe, who did and the, it, so, the then how do you fix it? And I and I always like to end the show on how do you fix it? And and Drew, you're probably going to have more to say about it than I am, and I'll I'll make my my solution very quick. Uh, one, pay attention when it comes time to ju- to to vote in your judges. <laughs> yes. And I, I don't like to take Republican versus Democrat because we see what happened with this Republican congressman. He's an absolute piece of shit out of New York City. And we still voted him. The dude fucking lied about his mom being in 9-11, lied about being Jewish, lied about uh, where he went to college, lied about working in the banking industry. The dude can't stop lying. And yet he swore in this week. So it's not left versus right. However, in the judicial system, a Democrat judge is much more likely to let career criminals go where they can shoot peace officers, where they can rape women, where they can do all sorts of bad shit. So one, you got to vote, right? And we got to vote. And unfortunately in this one, I'll say, you you, you know, just statistically speaking, you got to vote out the Democrat guy. But also we need to take a deep look at culture and gang culture. And we need to come up with some kind of zero tolerance gang culture. We don't tolerate rebel flags. We don't tolerate statues, but we'll tolerate graffiti at a skate park. Why can I go to a skate park and put gang graffiti all over it and the city won't fucking paint it over? But if we go to a nice side of town and, and you know, you paint a mural on the wall without a fucking permit, you get a $1,500 fine. We need to reform culture. First and foremost, we need to put, we need to say like that guy's wearing gang beats. You're not welcome in my gas station. If you came in here with a Hell's Angels uh, jacket on, I can tell you not to come to my bar all day long. Let me tell uh, somebody with gang beads on that they can't come into my bar and watch what happens. Be news heard around the world. It'd be like the gay cake thing. Remember the gay cake thing? Yeah. In Colorado. It's okay for me to say to tell a Hell's Angels he can't come to my bar. But let me tell a black dude with gang beads not to come in my bar. Um, okay. How about this? Because I'm taking notes before I forget uh, elections. First of all, uh, a lot of judge elections just remember are independent. So they're not running on a political party. It's hard to identify. It's your job as a citizen. If you're going to make, if you're going to vote to know who you're voting for, uh, you could probably, and, and this is by no means a, uh, a, a gauge, uh, a definitive gauge, but take a look at their, record as an attorney did they work for the public defender's office or did they work as a prosecutor and that's going to tell you kind of where they sit on crime and you know most public there there are mostly reasonable public defenders they just have the job of defending criminals and that's all they see is criminals so they're more apt to identify corruption and police corruption or mislabel it as police corruption and then they end up on the bench so maybe not necessarily look at Democrat versus Republican, maybe look at uh, defense attorney versus prosecutor, because a prosecutor is at least going to see it and call it like they see it. They're, they're not angels either. I mean, and they're not devils. It's just that you probably have to do a little bit more research. So think, and, and you do have the power of election, but there are some judges that are appointed, but who are they appointed by? They're appointed by the people that we elect. Now those are straight Democrats or Republicans, either a governor or a, uh, the, the, the president or whatever. Okay. So the other thing that, and this is kind of controversial that I used to bring up all the time. Uh, I ran a street crime squad, street crimes, uh, it, it, where we were, was kind of transitioning from like just an ancillary dope squad, uh, just doing like uh, proactive police work, which is great. 
you know, I, I, everybody loves to have that kind of fun and not have to answer calls and just do proactive police work, but w- w- with what purpose? So, um, how, how are we measuring within the law enforcement community? How are we measuring the productivity of a, cr- a street crimes unit? Well, generally we do that with arrests. We say, okay, they came out tonight and they kicked ass. They each got an arrest. There were 10 people on the squad. We put 10 people in jail. Is that really the best way to administer, uh, criminal justice? Is that really the best way to do things? Now, there are arguments because of like broken windows. Yeah, you're taking care of quality of life problems. What you're also doing every time you, you know, there there was always that a trace is a case. I don't know if you've ever heard that term or not. You find a dude with a crack pipe, he's got a trace of, of crack cocaine in the crack pipe. Well, then he's going to jail for possession of crack cocaine and possession of uh, drug paraphernalia. There's a prosecutor somewhere that's going to have to deal with that. It's going to have to go through an intake process. The intake process is going to uh, decide yay or nay whether they're going to prosecute that or not. Then it's going to get to a prosecutor. My point is this. If you inundate the market with your bullshit cases, the POPs, the whatevers, without the knowledge or the understanding or the maturity to know that this is a game of cops and robbers, sometimes the robbers are going to win but we have to have the mentality that we're always going to win in the end. Um, You don't have to throw everybody in jail that you see, because when you throw everybody in jail that you see, you are going to clog up the system. You're going to take away a prosecutor. You're not benefiting anybody else. I mean, I've always said that here on this show. I've always said that, you know, voluntary compliance should always be what you aim for. And if somebody can give you voluntary compliance and they don't need a fucking ticket. That's why every time I pulled somebody over for speeding, 99% 99% of the time. I mean, I, I wrote like 18 speeding tickets maybe in eight years. You know, it's like, what, what is that? Like maybe like that's less than three a year uh, or exactly right. three a year. Um, You had to really, you had to show me and I, and I would spell it out. I was like, look, if you, if you tell me you're not going to speed again and you let me educate you on why it's dangerous to speed and why I'm pulling you over and you agree not to do it again, you'll come out of here with a warning. So before you yeah. open your mouth again by telling another mom joke i'm giving you an opportunity not to have to go to give it get, get a ticket and then they Although stare if they at made you. me laugh yeah, we've had this discussion yeah we've had Although this discussion. If they made me laugh they, they probably they're probably going to get a break oh they're all you know i always gave i gave everybody a break because you know it's again i'm not here to clog up the system i'm not here to to ruin your life i'd rather you tell me i'm not going to speed again i understand why it's dangerous and why i shouldn't flew through this school zone I give you an opportunity to tell me why you did it, man. I'm going to be honest with you. I, like I pulled out of that food line, which is ahead of that sign that's blinking over there. Um, and had, had I known that there was a blinking sign over there, it would have reminded me. And I just didn't even think that it was four o'clock. Fair enough, homie. I believe you. You could be full of shit, but I believe you. Um, just tell me you're not going to do it again. I'm not going to do it again. And I agree with you that not clogging up the system is a thing, but you, you know, it's not on us. I mean, it's not completely on us, but, but just, it is because you know, like going back to your point, you know, we had a thing where we had a captain that said, if we, I want to see blue lights all night. I don't want to see tickets. I don't want to see your number of arrests. I don't give a shit, but I want to see your blue lights and sirens on all up and down New Bern Avenue from 11 PM to 2 PM. And I want people to know that when they're leaving the bars, when they're leaving the clubs at New Bern Avenue is not where you go to fuck around after you leave the bar, because I'm tired of people getting shot on New Bern Avenue. I'm tired of the drunk drivers running into shit on New Bern Avenue. I want blue lights on. I'm not telling you to write tickets. I'm not telling you to give a DUI. And, and, and then he would say, if you give a DUI, you're off the street for the next four hours. 
So I'm not telling you to be off the street for four hours. That's part of the problem. But what I want to see is cars being pulled over everywhere. And I want to see blue lights because all the, all that the citizens need to see is a shit ton of blue lights. They don't need to know what's going on, but they'll see those uh, blue lights and be like, yeah, not fucking around with that. And so we did it. And the lemon law was, was put into effect. And that is where we pulled cars over for any and every violation. And we gave them a warning unless, unless it wasn't a lemon. So you're driving at 11 o'clock at night and you've got an expired registration. You got a taillight out. You're getting pulled over and you're going to get a warning unless we walk up to your car and there's a strong odor of marijuana and your heart's beating out of your chest and you know, you, you jump and run. That's, you know, you give us something else. We're going to take it. But majority of the time, you're just going to get a warning. We're just going to put on blue lights all up and down New Bern Avenue. Well, that lasted about two months. And that's where Wolfpack came up. The chief said, I see too much Wolfpacking going on on New Bern Avenue and it stops now. Nobody was getting a ticket. Nobody was going to jail. But too many black people were being pulled over because there's only majority 99% black people on New Bern Avenue at 11 o'clock at night. And they felt that that was uh, not good for statistics, even though the majority of the crime happens right there on New Bern Avenue. So, you know, what's a cop supposed to do? Nothing. Right. Can't Two fucking sides. put on your blue lights. Can't can't give warnings anymore. Now I got now I got to make an arrest to prove that I'm not just pulling somebody over for no reason. Right. Two sides to the argument. I I, I completely get that. I mean, I, how mean, many I just guns- think that we're in a lose lose all the time. I mean, that's part of being a cop, and I think that's where you know my passion for this comes because it, it takes the citizens being outraged. It takes you, the citizen, not the cop. Why does the cop care if somebody fucking gets murdered that they don't know? They don't care. Citizens should care. Because that could be you next. You yeah. should be super pissed off that there is a huge section of the area that you live in that's dominated by crime. And you can go five blocks over. And why do we talk about that all the time? Why do we say, oh, right here is Bush Gardens, but don't go three blocks that way because you'll get fucking stabbed. Yeah. And we're okay with that? We're okay. You're story. talking in 30 fucking years, nobody could go five blocks down the road from this Bush Gardens and fix that shit? Why? Yeah, I, I, ironically, a couple blocks from Bush Gardens is where uh, Tampa police ran Tampa into. A, a, yeah, yeah, they ran into a lot of trouble for um, over enforcing bike statutes. Just exactly what you're talking about. Because they're like, delivering drugs on bicycles. You know, yeah, exactly. I lived at Temple so, Terrace and I was one of the, it was before I was a cop and I was calling uh, TK from, from uh, Hillsboro, even though it's not his jurisdiction, but I'm like, dude, TK, dude, these guys are over here fucking dealing, uh, you know, like this is a goddamn McDonald's yeah. um, and the cops are just driving around, ain't doing shit. Like what's going on, dude? And he's like, they can't brother. They can't. We can't enforce bicycle rules. I'm like, this is fucking bullshit. This dude's a fucking pack mule. This guy, this guy looks like he's back bicycling across the goddamn United States. And I know there's nothing in there, but you know, heroin and fentanyl. You know, he's basically driving around a pharmacy on his bicycle, and none of the cops give a shit. It's it's when you like the ingenuity of enforcement. So so I say, Eric, we got a problem in in this uh, little area of town. I need you to come up with a solution. You go out there and recon for two or three nights and you say, well, here's the problem. It's, it's bikes. And we have a statute here in Florida that says if you're out past dark with a bike, you got to have a white light on the front and a red light on the back. We'll just start stopping them. Okay. So your, your guys go out, you start stopping them. You're getting guns, you're getting dope. You're you're throwing people in jail. It's predominantly a black area. Then the audit comes because somebody like the ACLU comes into town and says, hey, uh, aren't you over enforcing 
bike traffic laws in in that certain area of town and they audit and the, the the newspaper does an article that specifically says there were 400 bike statutes uh, there are 400 bike violations handed out 390 were to black black people 10 were to white people so right, but go find a fucking white person in temple terrace riding his bicycle after but nine that's, o'clock at that's night. the point it's it, it doesn't tell the whole story it doesn't tell it doesn't tell about the guns. It doesn't tell about the drugs. It doesn't tell about the the predominant um, mode of transportation within a, a certain, you know, maybe 10 block radius. It, it, it never tells the whole story. That's the problem with generalizations. That's why we are where we are with career criminals. It's That's why I say that you need, you need gang member inner city cultural reform, cultural reform. And I'm talking like, you know, the only way that I ever have seen this working is that if you go back to zero tolerance on gang members there's no reform in, i mean these guys are making a choice and i and i know man I, I i know the gang officers are passionate and they say that you know these kids can be reformed and, and i hear you man and, and 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 when you can save one then you know that's that's fine but that culture um with the music right the music is all about hate. It's all about dealing death, uh, shooting an N word, smacking a B word, um, you know, uh, nothing but foul and gross um, lyrics that that incite hate. And, and you don't hear anybody. You don't you don't hear any white person or uh, you, you know going 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 out uh, going to war um, to get this kind of music taking off of the airwaves. But you'll you'll get thousands of white people that'll go to a Marilyn Manson concert and walk in circles uh, to to get Marilyn Manson to go away, or to get Slipknot to go away, or you know to get to get any of these hateful punk rockers. I, I mean, I don't see any difference in those folks and the gang members who are writing these rap songs. I don't see a difference. And I think the only way that you change any of this is that you make gang culture just not fucking cool. And then you make gang culture says like, look, dude, if you come into my 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 courtroom with gang beads on, you're fucked. You're if you're too fucking stupid to take your gang beads off in my courtroom, you are getting the absolute because you what you're saying is, yeah, I'm here, but I ain't but I'm but I'm still loyal to the streets. And fuck you then, dude. I mean, that's fine. That's great. You know, it's like what your wife says. You want to keep cheating on me? I'll leave. Who who do you want more? That fucking bimbo bitch that makes you spend all your money on jewelry and necklaces or, or me that's, you know, the wife, you know, the, that's mothered all of your children and things like that. You know what I'm saying? You, you know, you, you pick and choose, right? And then you live with that. Okay, well, I'm going to pick the bimbo bitch. And then you're going to lose custody of your kids. You're going to pay 50%. You know, that's a choice you make, but you make it. It should be the same way in court. All right. He, you want to go to court with your gang beads on? That's fine. Go ahead. But just know you won't get the maximum sentence. You can get all the bullshit and nobody's going to tolerate, you, you know, your shenanigans. Just a final word for me. If you, if you want to address criminal justice reform, like I said, I, I would never fear that. The system is not perfect. Uh, but why don't you look at it holistically? Why don't we address fatherlessness in, in every community? It doesn't matter what community. I mean, look at the impacts of somebody who grew up in a fatherless home. Um, take a look at the offenders, 18 to 24. The, the only reason it's 18 to 24 is because we don't really track juvenile offenders because they're not offenders anymore. We have to pretend that they're just uh, making mistakes till they're 17, you know, killing yeah, each other, shooting each other in the, in the head. <laughs> so they said that he, yeah. had, he had five appearances in the court system. Yeah, bullshit. You, you, I mean, he, like, he's a criminal, and, and he he does not fear reper, repercussion from a criminal justice system who's not going to punish him. One, and two, 
he doesn't have the the fear of punishment at home and it's it's not a feminine you know masculine toxic toxic masculinity thing it's it's a, it's just a family. If we get back to addressing family issues, we probably would start chipping away at some of which the, you'd have to go after an entire culture. Just like if you want to fix a football program, they always say you got to fix the culture of football, toxic masculinity. Da, 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 da. If you want to fix policing, you got to fix the culture of policing. Well, you got to fucking fix the culture of the inner cities. Yeah, let's fix the you culture. Go in the inner city and you fix the fucking culture, and and talk about how it's not cool to slap a woman, which will probably lead to getting divorced. It's probably not cool to call your girlfriend or your loved one a bitch from day one and then marry that bitch and consider to call her a bitch and wonder why you know you're divorced two years later and and you've got two domestic violence charges on you you know um, or, or kidnap her at gunpoint yeah which you know are all in rap songs by the way um right. yeah i don't know it was a great episode drew um I'm, ha- I'm gonna have fun this year with you breaking these crimes you're the yen to my yang uh you're the zen to my zao you're the 60, you're the nine to my 60. I just uh, want to be the cat to your dog. That's all. I fucking hate cats and I'm not a huge fan of dogs either. I'd prefer a dog over a cat, but just, I just, I'm not a big pet guy. Uh, maybe that's because I have four and three quarters children. It's my son's birthday today. His podcast just released Gromit Vomit, a Are podcast for kids. It, it is my steps, my future stepson's birthday today. Dude, happy it, birthday to all of us happy birthday to everybody it's it's uh it's january 6th it's a day to celebrate oh that's it a day they'll live in infamy the day my son was born um but right. yes if you do see my shirt grommet vomit it is a shirt for kids by kids it's two nine-year-old rippers who started their own little podcast it's uh they had one of the the best surfers in the entire world rob machado on as their first guest which is insane they're actually on the horn with guys like ryan sheckler they're on the horn with guys like ben gravy um i it, it's crazy because you know we've been podcasting. I've been podcasting now for two years, and and I have to work my ass off to get uh, any kind of guest. <laughs> right. And they they are just racking up more guests than we have time to to um, to host. So um, I'm really proud of them, though, man. And I'm proud of the new show, the Com Center show. Go give that a shot, guys. Support the show if you're still here. The 78 of you guys are still here. That means you fucking support us. You support what we're saying, or maybe you you have some arguments. Leave us a rating and review, man. Drop the uh, like button if you want to see this show continue for another year. Uh, we need your help. We're not asking for your money. We're asking for likes, follows. We're we're asking for um, um, uh, ratings and reviews, more importantly, and to share this with a friend because then we get more money from advertisers and we don't need your stupid fucking super chats. Although you guys do blow us up with some amazing super chats and we God bless everybody who super that. chatted last night. We love today. that guys. So, uh, yeah. um, we do have some live events coming up in the, in the new year. So we'll let you guys know where we're going to be and when we're going to be there. Some meetups, um, as for Jacob Bayer in the chats, uh, Silamander 2.0, Brian W, Honey Badger, Dead Leg Media, Not a Cop. Corn Bap was a bad dude. Imperial Girl, Murr 530. Imperial Girl, she's been with us since day one. God bless her. Love her to death. Um, she's always got, you know, she's she's not a kiss ass. If I say something she doesn't like, she's going to let me know about it. But she's also not a whiny little uh, bitch either where she's going to take what I say and, and cancel me for it. We have some really great discussions back and forth. I've always appreciated Imperial Girl, day one listener. And I've always appreciated guys like Hydra Man Blue. Um, 
you know, Andrea Uplates in the chats, Honey Badger. Thank you guys, all of you. There's too many of you to name. Brian W. Um, if I missed you, I'm sorry. Somebody just threw in a super chat last minute. It's Hydro Man Blue, man. What a fucking, what a fucking star, dude. I've met him in real life. He's a lot older than I thought, but a lot cuter, a lot, a lot more handsome than I thought as well. So thank you, Hydro Man Blue. Uh, everybody, thank you guys. Guns up. Getty up. Please don't forget my BFF, John. Oh, fuck John, dude. Is he even? Oh, that's true. Fuck him. Fuck that dude. All right, man.